0: Hi there Ralph, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well, Jim. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing fine. Hey, you know it's almost uh, almost uh, June and uh, uh upstairs uh, in the living room we have a uh, fire in the fireplace. Uh, I tell you, crazy weather. Uh well, we if, need, if we need we a can... classification system for this crazy weather.
1: <clears throat> if we had a fireplace too, Jim, I guarantee you that it would be on because uh Yesterday, we were over 80, and today, we're struggling to reach 60. So, Michigan weather for you at its finest.
0: Uh Uh-huh, yep. Well, we've been uh, uh, working for the last few weeks with uh, the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, and I want to just welcome our, our listeners. This is Psychology Takeaway, where we attempt to put... The news of the day into some sort of a perspective. We took a, a break last week to uh, kind of muse upon the uh, tragedy in uh, uh, Buffalo, New York, and we really haven't learned very much more about that in the last week. So we're going to go back to the to the DSM. And uh, Ralph, do you remember that the DSM started in 1952?
1: I do remember that, Jim, and uh, it started actually, uh, if I remember correctly, as a pretty small volume, basically, uh, sort of a paper-back, paper-covered set of criteria. um,
0: 132 pages. 132 pages, yeah. And uh, And
1: only 128. uh, Diagnoses of uh, various things that we could say people were uh, for sure, for certain, fit in a category of mental illness of some kind.
0: Right. And it was being used mainly in uh, uh, mental hospitals for people who had um, very severe uh, uh, behavioral problems or emotional problems. Um, so it's the 128 diagnoses might actually uh, have reflected the population of a uh, um, mental hospital you know at the time as we are going to move toward the 21st century we're going to see that the number of diagnoses and the number of pages uh, have increased uh, markedly but today we're going to look at the DSM 3 now the DSM 2 was criticized uh, for a lot of reasons, um, and uh, um, it sort of reflected what was going on with psychiatry at the at the time, in the middle part of the 20th century. Now, psychiatry was not a respected um, medical profession, uh, and we see this in a number of different uh, ways, but psychiatrists were... Uh, not paid as well as uh, neurosurgeons, for example, and um, um, it was often seen as kind of a um, you know, a, a lesser uh, uh, medical specialty um, now why did why did the d s m three come about well, partially it was from a group of uh, psychiatrists who wanted to remedy this perception of the um, uh, field as being kind of uh, sort of soft and and non-medical. And so a number of folks, a big group from uh, Washington University in St. Louis, were really instrumental in pushing this new, quote, scientific uh, approach to uh, the description of mental illness. Um, Yeah, and
1: and, you know... You know Jim, want to just interrupt you for a second. One of the things that I think is worthwhile mentioning because it is a comment that was made at this uh, about this time by Freud uh in uh in talking about uh, his uh, way of explaining uh mental illness and reaction formation and so on and one of the things that he said was, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. In other words, uh, you know, you you have to know when to say uh, something is a phallic symbol and when it's not. And so, a lot of people were saying, "Well, if you can't tell one from the other, what valid uh, what validation do you have?" <laughs>
0: yeah, good show, good point. Well, actually, I'm sure Freud said it uh, a lot uh, earlier than the uh, 1950s or 1960s. But, yeah, uh, and so the, the attempt to codify um, mental illness with DSM 1, 2, and 3 is just that. It's an attempt to make the um, uh, the various diagnoses uh, reliable and, and valid. And as you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, uh, Ralph, there was that study that was reported by Rosenham where he and his um, some colleagues went into um, uh, mental hospitals posing as um, uh, disturbed individuals uh, and uh, none of the, the uh, um, pseudo patients were uh, discovered by the staff, but uh, the uh, uh, fellow uh, fellow patients uh, pretty much were able to uh, uh, determine that these were people who were, you know, faking or pseudo patients, and so that brought a lot of attention to uh, the uh, uh, field of psychiatry. You know, if people couldn't even tell whether a person was <clears throat> sane or not, uh, you know, what is the use of having you know 250 or so uh, subdiagnoses? And in fact, uh, when I was at Michigan State. uh, One of my profs said that uh, psychiatry was pretty bad at determining even three broad classifications. Uh, uh, Psychosis, or being out of touch with reality, neurosis or anxiety disorder, and uh, organic functioning. So, at the same time, we also had psychology doing one of two things. Psychology kind of wanted to be like real doctors, too, uh... and uh... So we had the phenomenon that i saw once of a psychology intern wearing a stethoscope <laughs> we don't do much with stethoscopes in in clinical <laughs> psychology <laughs> but but he had his white coat on and, and a stethoscope yeah, so i think he wanted to be a real doctor but at the same time we had um people like aaron beck showing that um, um, cognitive and behavioral approaches to uh, mental illness worked about as well, or even better sometimes, than some of the approaches that psychiatry was, was using. And uh, when we talk about approaches, uh, we're going to see big pharma coming into psychiatry in a big way, <laughs> starting with the oh the 1980s or so with uh, the advent of the uh, DSM-3.
1: Yeah, and this is uh, the beginning of uh, what can we call it the uh, the big uh, the era of psychoactive drugs that uh, people were taking um, the Valley of the Dolls kind of thing that we go back to that old movie of people who got hooked on. Uh, Milltown and so on, and oh, yeah. uh, inmates doing the Librium Shuffle because they were over-medicated to the nth degree.
0: Yeah, well, for sure. And I think we could trace what we've seen with uh, uh, like Purdue Pharma and OxyContin <laughs> to the beginning part of this uh, over-medication in the, in the 1980s, uh, where you know, people were were uh, being prescribed medication for all kinds of of uh, uh, quotes disorders. Uh, for example, we have a new new disorder that uh, has uh, emerged, and that is uh, um, a uh, social anxiety disorder. Well, gee, we can we can give you medication for your social anxiety, uh, but you know, we're medicating somebody for shyness. Yeah, I don't know about that, but so, yeah. We do have a lot of, of discussion at this point about the various diagnostic uh, categories that uh, did appear in the DSM. I've got to uh, remind you, too, Ralph, that some categories were eliminated. Um, one of the categories that was in the DSM 2, but not in the DSM 3, was homosexuality. And again, there was a lot of, of uh, debate. Over whether or not homosexuality was in fact a emotional disturbance, or whether the elimination of the term was more of a political uh, consideration and a a uh, tip of the hat, hat to uh, gay rights, uh, and I don't think that one's been resolved, you know, uh, either.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it, it's interesting, Jim, when we look at the. Uh the characterization of homosexuality, because there was a time when it was, as you point out, it considered a mental illness, and before that, it was very often uh, categorized as a character fault. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you you practiced uh, this what was seen as a deviation because of a flaw in your character, and if you had an adequate character, you would just stop mm-hmm. well, as far as I can understand uh, uh from my own research and everything i 've read uh basically people who are homosexual uh have repeatedly uh said that it is neither of those, and it's it's not something that you can help, and you can't take a drug or reform your character or go to um, some sort of uh, uh, reformist camp and change from who you're attracted to to another gender, uh, it just doesn't work.
0: Yeah. In fact, a year or so ago when we were doing our series on um, uh, LGB, uh, we had a couple of – uh, experts on the podcast uh, who actually talked about some of the misuses of um, uh, psychiatry and, uh, with uh, what they refer to as conversion therapy, the attempt to change people uh, involuntarily. Um, but the big change with DSM-3 and where it became more um, grounded, I think, as a uh, uh, nosology for uh, uh, illness is that it became uh, known as a, a multi axial approach. And there are five different ways of looking at human behavior that are codified in this uh, um, what is it now? Uh, 494 page document with uh, uh, 228 different diagnoses. And so with the the five-part multi-axial thing, first of all, there was a a description of the patient in the the, uh, categories. Then there was an explanation of the underlying personality or intellectual disorder. That's the second uh, uh, of the five axes. Then uh, any associated medical disorders, that is something that's comorbid with one and two, and then psychosocial stressors in the patient's environment, and this was really, I think, uh, pushed by uh, 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 people like, uh, um, and the name escapes me right now, the uh, father of type A, Friedman, uh, type A behavior, because he wanted to talk about the the psychosocial aspects of mental illness at a time when people, you know, poo pooed him, and then finally, there was a the, the fifth axis was the uh, an assessment of the patient's highest level of functioning in the during, during the uh, past twelve months, and so we're looking at something that uh, uh, is not necessarily a document that. Uh, is going to doom somebody to a um, um, uh, what a uh,
1: lifetime perhaps of mm-hmm.
0: uh, although it's interesting and, uh, that Rosenham and his group when they feigned uh, uh emotional disturbance, they checked into uh, the hospitals using uh, different names so that their their real names were are not associated with any kind of um, on file uh medical diagnosis, and you know, yeah. we do know that people have been uh, uh, damaged because of a diagnosis that uh, uh remains on their uh, uh, uh in their protocol remember thomas Eagleson I think it was eagleson or eagleson he was running as a vice presidential running mate to somebody and uh, he was nominated and then it was found out that he had been in a psychiatric institution, the, the 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 press went wild. You know, wow, yeah. a, a madman in, in, you know, with one one heartbeat away from uh, the presidency. Uh, so, the damage that diagnoses can do, you know, is real. And in fact, there was a psychiatrist named Thomas Szasz back in the '60s who wrote a book called uh, "The Myth of Mental Illness." And he said that mental illness, or the diagnosis of mental illness, was mainly to control people who society uh, didn't have a lot of use for. And he pointed to the Soviet Union, the old Soviet Union at that point, where a lot of what we would consider political prisoners were in in asylums with uh, uh, mental health uh, diagnoses.
1: Yeah, and... You know I think jim one of the one of the things we see now is uh that that at least in terms of politics that stigma is still there um and uh many people um at least in my experience will uh much more willingly sign up as an outpatient for treatment than they will for um going to a, a residential uh place of treatment.
0: Well, the reality here, Ralph, is that there aren't very many res- uh, residential uh places of treatment anymore here in uh, Isabella County. Uh if someone is uh, uh extremely disturbed, I think that I don't think there's anything in the county. We used to have a psychiatric unit in Mount Pleasant, I don't think it's there anymore. There might be an inpatient one in Alma, which is 15 or 20 miles from here, but uh, more and more the approach is to uh, treat people on the street. And, you know, that's not a bad thing, you know, either. And uh, uh, I'm not going to say that uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest is 100% representative of what we did see uh, in the uh, 60s, but... I did uh, my uh, uh, master's uh, research at both the uh, prison that I was working at, but also uh, an Ontario hospital, a mental hospital, down the street. And uh, it was not a pleasant place. You know, people were screaming, people were were smearing themselves and each other. You know, people were were huddled in in corners, non-communicative. Others were were uh, picking at themselves and, and having to be you know restrained to keep from uh, hurting themselves. So what we see now is uh, you know the reality that medication can help the positive symptoms. And when I say positive symptoms of mental illness, I'm not saying that there's anything good about mental illness, but it can. Help calm the driven behavior of an individual. It can help calm the uh, uh, blunt the uh, de- delusions, uh, but it doesn 't help very much with the uh, uh, increasing uh, the ability to to function and to uh, uh, tolerate stress so we've moved now from from uh, a diagnosis that is um, a um, fraught with reliability and validity issues with DSM one and two, to one that seems to be a little bit more robust, and it does provide some treatment strategies within the manual. So our manual is now up to, you know, four hundred ninety four pages, and uh, good good luck reading it. You know, nowadays uh, when we get up to DSM five, uh, we have uh, specific courses. At uh, uh, medical schools, uh, on you know how to uh, how to read the DSM uh, uh, five. Um, yeah, and
1: and how to interpret or act on what you have just read. So it's one thing to know. Okay, well he fits five of the six criteria, um, but then what do I do?
0: Right, right, and uh you know, the re- reality is that this has to be done fairly quickly also. Uh, in the medical model, you know, patients come and go you know, very, very quickly, and a clinician doesn't have a lot of time to uh, uh, think about uh, various alternatives to, to treatment. And that's why the, uh, the medical approach with uh, drug uh, therapy uh, seems to be, in some cases, the, the first line of defense in Psychiatry, and that's not necessarily so at all in psychology. There are very few psychologists that actually can prescribe medication. Uh, we can work with uh, psychiatrists or uh, family physicians to uh, encourage medication if necessary. But our approach, our first approach, like that of Aaron Beck, is to try and take a look at you know, the unhappy person that shows up in our, uh, our office. You know, the person that is that is uh, uh, not bleeding physically, but bleeding emotionally, and try to help that person with uh, uh, their their psychosocial uh, uh, difficulties, as opposed to you know medicating them and and oh, uh, eradicating the, these positive symptoms of uh, of unhappiness. Well, yeah. Do you have a a summary uh, conclusion here for us, Ralph?
1: Well, I think we can say, Jim, safely that our listeners can see or I hope uh, uh, understand that increasingly um, we have gotten, through the DSM process, through the evolution of it, we have gotten to... um, a beginning of a place where we're working hard, as uh, as a group of of uh, treatment facilitators, to treat properly and in the right way, because we we know that we have a sound basis for our conclusions.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's a good place for us to stop today. We're going to look at the DSM-3. R for revised, and then the DSM-4 next time. But yeah, uh, and remember, it's uh, um, the uh, DSM of the APA—that is, the little APA, the American Psychiatric Association—and uh, 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 I'm not sure that uh, that. Well, we uh, insurance companies like the uh, um, ICD as opposed to the uh, DSM so we'll talk a little bit more about that as well. Yeah, but, and the other ahead.
1: thing uh Jim to to just kind of mention maybe in as part of our conclusion is that the DFM3 uh for the APA when it came out uh over the course of the next few years uh it sold uh and uh and uh, I don't know whether you want to say raised or was valued or whatever, but it went from uh, one and a quarter million dollars in sales to uh, $10 million in sales. And I think that argues that not only is it getting better, but it's getting more widely used by people who say, yes, this has value for my treatment plan.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you have the last word on this today, Ralph. So as we uh, sign off, this is Jim. And Ralph. Same. keep your stick on the ice.
1: Because we're all in this.
0: Together.
1: Together.